Hello, welcome to Locked on Sharks, the premier hockey podcast of your favorite tanking team in the Bay Area. On today's episode, we have another draft profile. Uh, Hattie joins from Dauber Prospects to discuss uh, one Ethan Goche, uh, why he says he's the only player in the queue really worth talking about. So all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. Your Locked On Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, J.D. Young, contributor at San Jose Hockey Now. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Sharks your first listen. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as available because we cover your team every day here at Locked on Sharks. And there's nothing better right now as a Sharks fan than looking towards the future and talking about the draft because, again, the Sharks have lost nine straight games um, at this point. And it looks like it might be a while till they win another one ever, ever again. If they ever win another game ever again. Who knows? Um, so joined by Hattie. We talk about Ethan Goche, forward out of the queue. Um, talk about kind of what makes him worthy of being a, a late-round selection that might kind of pop off. Um Talk about drafting guys out of the queue and kind of the worrisome from there. Strengths and weaknesses with, with him and then uh, kind of where he would fit in the Sharks pipeline. Then we get to some bigger draft talk. Um, talk with Hattie about a bunch of fun draft stuff. So uh, enjoy. And now we bring in Hattie to talk about what Ethan Goche. Uh, Hattie, how's it going, buddy? Doing good. How are you? It's been, it's been a little while, but... Good to have you back on. Uh, I'm sure we'll start to have you back on more and more as we start getting closer and closer to the draft. Because, uh, mm-hmm. again, the draft is the best part, especially when your team is really bad. Uh, oh, the draft yeah. is the best part. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and the Sharks really bad. So we're going to be talking about, uh, as you said, maybe the only guy in the queue we're talking about in the first two rounds, uh, Ethan Goche. So a little... Uh, Intro to him, if you have not heard of him, Ethan Goche, a forward. Uh, I think he plays mostly right wing, but has also played center as well on Sherbrooke in the QMJHL. 5'11", 176 pounds, 64 games played this season, 29 goals, 39 assists, 184 shots on goal, and a very focused uh, photo here, if I do say so myself. <laughs> that that um, reflects a bit of what we're going to talk about with Ethan Goche. So yeah. So okay, so Ethan Goche, what is kind of give us give us his elevator pitch? Why he is he may be the guest the best guy in the queue this year? Yeah. So at you, least you saw, prospect wise, sorry for yes. sure, for sure. So you know you saw his size five eleven hundred seventy six. That does not reflect how physical this player is. He's probably one of the most physical players I've ever seen in the queue. Throws his weight around like nobody else. He takes that from his dad, Danny Gauthier, who spent a long time uh, in the NHL throwing hits and, and playing defensive hockey. Um, Goche is not only just a physical guy who's going to throw his weight around. He's a four-check monster, always at full gear, intensity through the roof, 
always pushing the pace, trying to disrupt opponents, uh, get under defender's skin, that kind of thing. Um, I like his pace pushing as well. He's able to carry the puck and transition pretty well. Puck skills are pretty kind of average or slightly above average across the board, you know, uh, stick handling, shooting, passing. Um, I think his playmaking is the best of the three, though. Mm -hmm. Um, You see him try a lot of things, and I like that from young prospects. If you're trying things, you're pretty much figuring out what works and doesn't work. Um, And behind the back passes, area passes, spin passes, whatever you want, playmaking-wise, he tries it all, uh, which is always fun. What I really like as well from him is his off-puck positioning. He's constantly trying to find space in the offensive zone, trying to get shots from dangerous areas. That's why his goal tally is that high. His shot isn't really much to write home about, but he's just constantly taking shots from the slot, from dangerous ice. Obviously, access to the slot is going to get tougher and tougher as he climbs the ranks. So that's mm-hmm. something he'll have to adapt to. Um, but he just has a knack for it. And I think he's learned a lot from his teammate Joshua Hua, who... I'd say that's his main asset, just the way that he's able to constantly sneak behind opponents, find space. So he's well surrounded in Sherbrooke. He's got a, he's playing on a really good line with Justin Gill and Joshua Hua. But even, you know, I, I made a video of that on YouTube on my personal channel. Even when Joshua Hua wasn't there, um, when Joshua Hua went to the uh, World Juniors and uh, even Gauthier was left pretty much to his own devices in Sherbrooke, he was still driving that line, still driving offense, still creating results and still finding space and getting shots from good areas. So there's a lot to love about him. What I love really about Gauthier is he's such a safe pick. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many pro-ready elements to his game that one's bound to hit and make him a you know at least a, an average or a slightly above average NHLer. Which, you know, if you're a contending team with a late pick or if you're a team like the Sharks who have got their home run pick at the top end of the draft, like a Bedard, a Fantilli, a Michkov, a Carlson, and you want someone who's definitely going to make the NHL and, and support that cast that you've already created in your pool, go choose your guy. All right. So I watched a little bit of film on on him. Again, his highlights, I haven't watched as much. One of the things mm-hmm. I really liked about him, you, you mentioned his you know slot presence is how much he works in those like high danger areas right he's not it doesn't seem like a perimeter guy where he's just kind of circling around and trying to find it seems like he's willing to go to the net and try to score from there and i I think that's got to be one of his most relatable uh skills right is those type of learning that skill now it's only just going to get better and better it's like he's going to have to try to continue to learn how to go to the net as he gets facer and facer competition, right? Yeah, and that comes really from his smarts. He just he understands puck really well. Uh, spacing, you know, timing, all those things that are kind of really instinctual most of the time. He's got those down pat, really nailed down. It's not a problem at all in this game. And, you know, as you mentioned, he's constantly working in those areas, but not only that, but he's working effectively in those areas. He's constantly getting sticks on pucks, deflections, tipped shots, you know, quick one-timers. I love the amount of times and the samples that I've viewed that I've seen him just spin and shoot. Like, he'll he'll be covered by a defenseman. He'll mm-hmm. push off him, spin, and, and one-time the puck in one motion. Mm-hmm. That's really translatable. It's something that's going to work at the NHL level. Um, the, 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 the skill it takes to understand exactly when to push off and when to find that space, it, it's it's an intangible that's really, really useful in a player's game. And yeah, Gochi's got that in spades. All right. So what do you think is the one... You said he has a lot of kind of stuff that's going to make him a, a, at least an average NHL player. <laughs> what do you think is the one skill that might kind of, as it develops and grows 
that might make kind of push him over to the edge and you know kind of you might get something i don't want to say special but you might get something that's more than you expected out of him yeah the the one thing that i think he's going to develop that's pretty unique is his playmaking you know as Mm -hmm. i mentioned he's trying a lot of stuff right now trying to figure out what works and what doesn't and i think if he keeps doing that keeps pushing his limits and figuring out what works and what doesn't he's going to head into the pros with a good idea of the ins and outs of playmaking and and which pass to, to make at what time in order to you know hit his teammates in stride hit his teammates in, in favorable areas you know experimentation is the best way to kind of learn in hockey and he definitely does that on every shift it also helps that he has a vision that he has because when he does try a pass you know he's not trying to make passes because he thinks a player is there he tries to make passes because he knows a player is there where he's experimenting is how he makes a pass so mm. you know do i make an area pass do i make a spin pass do i go to the backhand that's one thing he's also really good at is, is working off the backhand uh, usually a player who's comfortable on the backhand has a higher chance of making the nhl because you essentially double the amount of things you're able to do you know if you have that Makes option in, in yep. your in your pool right if you're only working off the forehand you're pretty limited but yeah goche already has that in his arsenal being able to pass off the back end so the playmaking is really the thing that as, as he continues to experiment with the how, with the how and the when it's going to get even better all right guys before we continue with hattie uh we'll continue our deep dive into ethan goche kind of figure out where he'd fit in the sharks prospect pool all that kind of fun stuff. Do want to take a quick break and talk to you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. Um, if you guys don't know by now, the tournament is heating up. We're down to the final four. There's no better place to get in all the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today. Claim your no sweat first bet. You can wage on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right. And then, of course... There's always things that need to be worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is kind of the one thing or what do you think is uh, that might hold him back or what does he need to continue to work on other than I assume bulking up and filling out his frame? Cause For sure. <laughs> there are some kinks to iron out in this edge work, but really the main thing I've noticed in this game that's kind of missing is the the defensive side. Um, he loses assignments. It's also the Q. Easily. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is that the Q is pretty much the worst environment for a prospect who is poor defensively to, to develop in. Uh, a shift to a, better, to a better league might help him out in that sense because – Man, that league, it, it it lets you get away with so much on the defensive side. Um, and that's one thing that Goche will have to kind of uh, tweak in his game in order to make sure that he's able to at least be a, a an, an average or, or, you know, net positive player, you know, yep. on the defensive side of things. Because the amount of times where he forgets to scan, forgets to check his shoulders, he loses assignments, that kind of thing. It's going to be a, a limiting factor, but these are things that usually you see improve gradually as a player climbs the ranks, especially players from the queue. Uh, once they get that coaching and the pros, you know, he's probably going to spend a couple years, two, three years in the AHL after he's done with his queue stint. That's really, I think, what's going to make or break him is whether mm-hmm. he's able to pick up the scanning habits and defensive habits that are necessary at the NHL level. Okay, so you talked about what he needs to work on, right? We talked about his kind of his strengths and why he's such an intriguing prospect. Yeah. Why do you think he's not maybe ranked higher? Because it sounds like he's such a intriguing player. Why mm-hmm. is he not maybe like a mid first round guy? Why is he more? I think 
a lot of people have him kind of ranked in the 20s, uh, 20s, late 20s, maybe early 30s. Why yeah. was kind of holding him back, you think? So, so I've got him, you know, I'd say he's in my late teens to early 20s range. And it's mainly because of the projectability and how clear his past the NHL is. The, the the reason why he's not ranked higher, I'd say first and foremost, is the the skill set being pretty much baseline average across the board. He doesn't have any standout skill right now. He's trying stuff, and sometimes it works, but the lack of consistency on that side is limiting him. Um, you know, he doesn't have the most crisp and accurate passes. Doesn't have the most crisp or accurate shot. His hands are kind of normal. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing that's limiting him, and also the aversion to the queue. I understand that because. It's, you know, I feel like sometimes it is overblown how bad it is, but, you know, having watched all three leagues, I can definitely say that there's something in the queue that's missing from the other two. Uh, Just the amount of things you can get away with. That's a big thing is there's so much you can get away with in the queue that you can't get away with in the OHL or the WHL. That's why you got guys like, you know, Mike Hoffman who went on waivers in the OHL and then ended up in the queue and just burned it because you know <laughs> you have that you've you've, you've incorporated yeah. so much of what works uh and in, in, in leagues that are tougher that when you go to the queue and you face a defenseman that they have it's kind of just like it, it's 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 taking candy from a baby so you know that's kind of the main thing and i think that that's something you could work on but you know with goche it's you know i get the concern and understand mm-hmm. why but for me it's just the projectability of his game the amount of work he puts in on the forecheck you know players with that level of intensity decent skating and and the knowledge that he has the intelligence that he has on the ice it's very rare that you can find those outside the first round so it's it try to sum it up right he doesn't have that special thing right that that, yeah. that thing where you can point to be like oh yeah that's nhl caliber mm-hmm. um and the kind of the burden of yeah you play in the queue can, what happens when you start playing real real competition or better competition that's kind of what's holding him back right now yeah no absolutely that that's you know not having that it factors really specifically regarding his tools in terms of his, his puck skills because mm-hmm. i can name you one thing that he does better than most um you know draft eligibles in this year and this is forechecking you know the, the just the way that he works board battles the way that he positions yeah. his body the way that he leverages his strength and the amount of physicality that he has you know he's constantly doing something offensively he's always you know he's not it's not at a standstill he's never kind of sitting back and analyzing or evaluating he knows what to do and he's constantly doing something if he's done with a hit he's already back checking if he's back checking he's already got a stick in the lane you know he's constantly in what do i do next mode and and that's one thing that you know teams look for in, in pro players and he's already got that at such a young age i think it's only going to get better as he gets older um but again just you know, keeping up with switching assignments, you know, rotating cycles, that kind of thing, scanning his shoulders, making sure he knows where he's at compared to the box, you know, yeah. it, it's important. And that's something that he can pick up later on. But overall, his forechecking is just insanely good. That sounds like a Mike Greer pick if I ever pick one. Like, <laughs> yep. I mean, that's what Mike Greer wants. He wants guys who are, you know, like you said, constantly doing something. Um, if you're not scoring, how else can you help the team type exactly. of situation type yeah. of thing? So, um, okay. Where would he kind of fit in with the Sharks prospect pool, right? It, it sounds kind of a lot like an Ozzy Weisbot type of, of prospect who mm-hmm. uh tenacious four checker. I think Ozzy might have a little bit more top end skills, like when it comes to the hands and, and speed and stuff, but yeah. um it kind of maybe someone around right around Ozzy's level. Yeah, so I'd say compared to Ozzy Weisblatt, he's got less skill for sure, but I think he's mm-hmm. a better four checker overall. 
the intensity, the the pace of play, um, especially the intelligence, are are at a level where he's either comparable or higher than than Wiseblad and all those elements. So you know he's around that range for me. I'd compare him to, um, you, you know, in terms of the quality in the pool, I'd compare him to a guy like Danny Gushin right now. Okay. Um, you know, not necessarily in the top tier of the Eklins and and Bartolos and all that, but just below that. The and tier it's soon below to be that. Fantillis and Vidar or Vidars. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully for sure. Well, Please. I mean, listen, I'm a Habs fan. I I I will constantly be uh be praying on your demise. But uh, you guys <laughs> broke your first overall pick until you can prove that you can keep him uh, keep a first row you don't get another toy we don't get toy. one got it <laughs> makes sense yes. but yeah no absolutely um you know philip bistet uh the the, the likes of okay. um matthias Havelid, like that that range of like late first round quality player mm-hmm. um but not in that top end tier of of the Eklund of Bordelos, like just below that all right and then everything goes right for any kind of uh for goche and you kind of Goes on his normal path of development. Where does he kind of top out as? What type of player? I'd say he's a middle six winger. Um, I like his play at center. I like his transition play. But honestly, with with the direction that the NHL has taken recently, it's it's a lot less positional than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes your centers are doing the job of your wingers. Sometimes your wingers are doing the job of your centers. So it's it's really kind of splitting hairs. Um, I think it'd be good at, at either one. I just think that his uh, he hasn't taken nearly enough faceoffs to make it a, a consistent staple of his game, especially you know with Sherbrooke right now, who have their bona fide center in Justin Gill. They have Ethan Goche taking faceoffs on the right from time to time on the power play, that kind of thing, but uh, not nearly enough for him to become comfortable with that. So I'd say you know the type of guy who's going to plug into your second, third line, score mm-hmm. you a couple goals, get you a couple assists, just complement players really well. I think it's a good fit for the for the for the Sharks for that specific reason is that Sharks have a lot of skill guys in their pool. Um, if Eklund and Bortolo are your one-two punch down the line at, at center, I think he would he would complement a guy like Bortolo really well. Um, Bortolo's got some intensity, but he's mainly a skill guy. He'll yep. make plays in tight, uh, show up in dangerous areas, and Gauthier just has a knack for you know making space for his teammates and and, and working off of them really well. Bortolo's really good at. at finding players in the slot and Goche is constantly open in the slot. So, you know, the fit is there. Um, but yeah, second, third line guy is going to get you some points, play on your power player, second wave, that kind of thing. Um, and if by some miracle he manages to work out his defensive side of, of, of things and turn into an above average defensive player, the four checking combination with this physicality. And if you add defensive, you know, layers down the line, mm-hmm. you know, I'd see him as a penalty kill guy, you know, later on, but there's a lot of ifs yeah, yeah. there. But, you know, that would be a fit that I would see for Gochi down the line. All right, guys, before we continue up with Hattie, we talk some of the kind of bigger draft uh, stuff, talk about where Goche will f- go in the draft. Um, do want to take a quick break, let you guys know about the Locked On Game 2 Game. So thank you guys for making Locked On Sharks your first listen. With your second listen, go check out the Locked On Game 2 Game uh, NHL podcast. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NHL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right. Um, before we get you out of here, let's kind of talk about some bigger draft stuff. I haven't had you on to talk about that in a while. Uh, last sure. time we, had, we talked about Fantilli and how much you love Fantilli. And mm-hmm. uh, if the Sharks don't get Bedard, Fantilli is going to be a great, great fit. Mm-hmm. Um, not of these top 10 guys, because the Sharks 
we've covered a lot of the top 10 guys. Which of kind of these mid to late first round guys, uh, which one of these are you kind of the most worried about as guys that are maybe getting hyped up a little bit too much? I know it's hard to hype up a, a late first round pick, but which guy are you kind of drawing some red flags for you? Uh, there's a couple guys I can talk about. Um, Daniel Boot, for me, I've seen way too high on way too many rankings. Um, he's what, 6'5, 205 pounds. I've seen him lose board battles against five foot seven defenders. It's, it's, it's really egregious. Like, if you compare him to Ethan Goche, Goche is a better physical player all across the board by far. That's um, really quick, part like. Mm-hmm. How many times I'm so sick of the like, oh, he's people are like, if you're under five, if you're under six foot, how often like you hear fans like, oh, he's too small to play in the NHL or yep. something like that. Like we hear about Eklund. Eklund got hurt his shoulder the other night. Um, mm-hmm. But like, like, oh, he's too small to play in the NHL. It's like, no, like, like you just said, a six foot five guy who's getting like dominated. Like how annoying. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent here. How <laughs> annoying is it you hear when you like that type of thing was like, oh, he's too small to play in the NHL. Oh, yeah. No, I, I could talk about that for a while. It's all about competitive <laughs> advantage. Do a whole pot, yes, yeah, yes. no, it's all about competitive advantages real yeah. quick. What it is, is, you know, if you're smaller than everyone your whole life, you have to adapt. And, you know, if I, I look at a guy, there's a guy in the HAP system, Xavier Simono. He's a perfect example of this. He's five foot seven. 180 pounds i've seen him win board battles against six foot nine defenders effortlessly and it's because he's so he's been smaller than everyone else's whole life it's not like it was average size and he stopped growing he got, he's he got shorter yeah no you see what i mean so so it's, it's like he's constantly yeah. been in that mode where he has to adapt he has he has to find ways to work around his lack of size so when he gets to the nhl or the ahl and he's facing guys that are six two six three it's nothing new to him to face guys who are bigger and stronger than him so Guys like that, they develop competitive advantages. They manage to get their body low so that they have their center of gravity low enough that they can't be pushed off. They um, grow better physically. Like, Xavier Simono is built like a tree stump. I say this all the time. He's he's straight up built like a tree stump. He's immovable. So, you know, on the contrary of that, that's why I'm so worried about guys who are 6'5", 6'6", at 17, 18, playing in junior and dominating. It's like... Of course you're going to dominate. You have every physical advantage just going your way. But once you get to the NHL and that that competitive advantage disappears, what do you do? What do you have? You know, it's that's why it's so rare that, you know, guys like Eric Lindros, more recently, Elmer Soderbloom, like guys like that are extremely rare who are big or strong. You know, Tage mm-hmm. Thompson, guys like that, they're extremely rare because they have an advantage growing up and they have to adapt to that lack of advantage when they get to the pros. So, you know. That's why I'm kind of low on boot is because I don't see any competitive advantages in this game. He's got a great shot, but that's it, really. Um, and it, it's just based on how much you value goal scoring. For me, it's kind of this kind of thing where, you know, you can develop a good goal scorer out of an average one, but you can't, it's very rare that you make you get a 6'5 guy who's been bigger than anyone else his whole life to just suddenly become good physically when he's just had to rely on his strength his whole life. It's 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 a really touchy thing. So yeah, that's one guy. Uh, I can talk about Dalibor Dvorsky. I can talk about Edward Schala. Uh, okay, do you want to talk about Dvorsky? Because yeah, uh, I actually just did a profile on Dvorsky. So uh, yeah. yeah, I heard Philip Bisto with a better shot is what the, the comp I heard. So yeah, okay. and, and it's just about how you, how much you value that. Like I don't, th- you know, I've seen him in top sixes, top sevens. I just I I don't see it, especially with his play this year in this in the Swedish second division. He's kind of just been about average, disappears for stretches, um, you know, relying a lot on his weight rather than on his leverage, on his physical tools, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know if his physical game is going to translate as well as as other prospects, but, you know, 
uh, was it Tony Ferrari who said he's he's Philip Bichette with a better with a better shot? That yes, that's spot on. That's really spot on. That that's how I would describe him. He's a really good half wall shooter on the power play, and that's a skill. I just it depends on how much you value that. Like I've got Dvorsky 16th overall, and yeah, I've seen him top like floating around the top ten. That's that yeah, seems really high, right? For yeah. especially in what's a insane draft class, right? Absolutely. Another guy I'd mentioned in the kind of range of guys who worry me. Mm-hmm. Um, had his name earlier. Braden Yeager is the one guy I'd pull up. Um, mm. He's been dropping more and more. It's really weird because usually when a goal scorer like he is adds the playmaking elements that he has this year, I'm like, oh, wow, this is amazing. But the more I watch him, the less I see those those flashes of processing that I like in players like that, especially centers. Um, you know, his pace of play, you know, it's one thing, you know, if you compare him to Zach Benson, who's in my top five. Zach Benson, very good. <laughs> yes, they're both they're both poor skaters, right? But Zach Benson processes this the, the game at a higher pace and and with with more intelligence than almost anyone else in this draft. I'd put him up there with Connor Bedard, maybe Matvey Michkov in terms of processing. You compare that to, to Braden Yeager. Braden Yeager processes a game at the pace that he skates, and he skates too slow. You know what I mean? So if he gets fast. What happens? That that's you know what I mean. So my concern with players is always are they are they going to get too fast for their own brain, mm-hmm. or is the game going to go too fast for them? You know what I mean. And I feel like both of those are a possibility with Jaeger, and that's why he's outside of my top fifteen. Um, I've seen him outside of top twenties. I've seen him outside of first rounds. This mm. is a guy who was pretty much a lock at fifth overall a couple a couple months ago. You know, but the more I watched him, the more I saw those concerns and. Yeah, it's one guy I'd, I'd I'd worry about, but you know I've got him 18th overall, so you know I I still value the the skill set that he has. It's just there's there's specific concerns. You're gonna have very you're gonna have very um, clear development objectives with Jaeger. So that's yeah. I guess a positive for a team that kind of sometimes doesn't know where it's going with prospects. With Jaeger, you have a very clear development sort of path. You improve his skating, and then you improve his processing. Or you improve his processing and then his skating, which I think is better. If you work on the processing first, it's okay if he's skating too slow for his own brain. If he's skating too fast for his own brain, that's another concern. That's where more mistakes compound type exactly. of Exactly. You get guys like yep. Michael Grabner, who miss seven or eight breakaways a game. Uh, so, no, yeah. Gregor. Uh, no, Gregor. No, <laughs> Gregor just can't shoot. Uh, so... <laughs> Okay, let's get you out of here. Uh, final question. So, mm-hmm. Ethan Goche, where does he go in the draft? I think he goes between 15 and 20. Um, I think he should go between 20 and 25, but I I think teams are going to jump on him early. I think a team that has a record of making safe picks, picks that keep your job and don't win you championships. Uh, will, Nashville will Predators, from- come on down. <laughs> That's Sorry. what I'm thinking. See what I mean? Like <laughs> Predators, Islanders, that kind Islanders, of... Islanders. They're in that like a... range. They might yes. go for him. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, I think if he slips anywhere below 25, you're getting a really good value for your pick. But I- I've got him in the 20 to 25 range. I'm, I've got a strong inkling of of a hint that he's going through, going 15 to 20. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Makes sense. Okay, last question. Five years from now, I'm still doing this podcast because Locked On can't find anybody to replace me. Um, Which kind of end of the first round, beginning of the second round guy are we talking about going, how did this guy slip this far? Oh, goodness. Um, I'm going to go with the Lane Hudson story. Why is this guy getting... Yes. Jaden Perron. Okay. I'll I'll put it that simply. He's... 
man, I, I I get kind of raised eyebrows every time I say this. He's seventh overall in my rankings. Um, mm. I've seen him outside of first rounds. So main reason you look at 5'8", 157 pounds, you're kind of like, eh, um, he's insane. Um, but in the best way, he makes plays constantly that are just, you, you, you look at the plays that he makes on the ice and you go first, that's not a play that I would see a 5'8 player make. <laughs> Second, that's a play that I would see an NHLer make effortlessly. And he just, the intelligence, the forechecking, the effort level, you know, for me, the trifecta of, of, of players that I look at and love is intelligence, speed, and intensity. If you got those three things, you're more than set. And Jenna Perron, I think is elite in all three of those areas. So, yeah. All right, Hattie, where can the people find you? Uh, the one-stop shop is Twitter. It's Hattie K underscore scouting. Uh, you find everything I post there. I write articles for a couple websites. I'm a scout for uh, the Dauber Prospects on the QMJ Shell side. And I post all of the podcast episodes for Lockdown NHL Prospects on uh, my Twitter account. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter, uh, the podcast itself. It's LO underscore NHL Prospects. So, um, yeah, but if you want everything that I do at the same place, it's all on Twitter. All right. Thanks, buddy. No problem at all. Have a good one. You too. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Hattie. Um, Goche, very intriguing prospect. Color me curious on him. Um, I think his motor, it doesn't have the, the highest skill set in the world, but I think his motor and kind of might be what really dry, draws a uh, GM like Mike Greer towards him. Um, you're going to get that this is a guy who's going to be playing his heart out every shift. Um, and I think his, he's a smart player, a cerebral player, and I think he just doesn't quit. And that that's, you know, how GMs love that. So color me, color me surprised. We'll see if he's there for the Sharks at, at the end of the first round or beginning of the second round. Um, but this could be a guy that the uh, Sharks could be very, very interested in, kind of has all that qualities that Mike Greer uh, wants for his team. So we'll be back tomorrow uh, to discuss the Sharks-Jets uh, game. And then, uh, of course, we'll have more stuff coming for you guys this week. So make sure you guys are following along on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it's available. You can follow me on Twitter at my fry hole. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Locked on Sharks. And until tomorrow, bye, friends.